Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Preview Show. First thing to say is, it is the weekend because it's that confusing time of year when Christmas comes (laughs) along and messes everything up and you're having to double check your phone and a bit like when the clocks go forward. Anyway, it is the weekend, plus it's not being helped as well by we've had double helpings of football and of course turkey and everything else that comes with it. Anyway... We're trying to get back into the swing of things. Every weekend we do this is the Premier League preview show. We're looking ahead to every match in the Premier League and also about some of the things happening around the game as well. So today we're going to be looking at uh, a London derby, a relegation derby and the um, <coughs> Newcastle Everton derby, which that all the other games that are happening and also some suggestions for football and Christmas presents. My name is Ant McGinley and at this festival... At this festive time of year, I'm joined in the studio by three very wise and some hirsute men. We have uh, our footballing journalist, Fearless Fergal Brennan. Hello. Hello. Merry Christmas to you. We have uh, freelance football journalist, Pete Hall. Hello. And we have... Man City YouTuber and newly off the market engaged Steve McInerney. <laughs> Hi. Now, now, the question we're all wondering is was that to get out of buying a Christmas present as well? No, I, I actually did then go out and buy some Christmas presents. I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, no, don't do it. Honestly, you bought me a ring. It's more than enough. I still went out and spent money because it it's kind of fun, but naive. So, what, what was I doing? Well, congratulations. Thank anyway. you very much. There Thank you. you. Was, was, podcast, it, was, was, it a, was it a big uh, romantic gesture that you did? Yes. Well, no. Actually, was it half time? I tried the to make it a surprise. I didn't want it to be like a big. We've been traveling so much here. We've been to Lisbon, we've been to Canada, and all these places. And each time I was like, probably should have proposed there. Yeah. And it, and it, but I didn't want, I wanted to surprise. I wanted to be totally surprised. And it was after we put up my Christmas tree. And she'd fallen asleep that day, I had a nap and everything. She's dead chill. We were, we were all kind of watching films. And we put a tree up. And then right after we'd done it, and I did it then. So um, totally got it as well. She'd been asking me for about two years. So <laughs> finally caved in. Uh, and it was lovely. It was lovely. Thank I, you very much. I, I'm just pleased you didn't do it like at half time while queuing for a 
pie at the Etihad. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, so let's look ahead to the, the games that we've got then. So uh, let's start with Arsenal-Chelsea, the London derby I uh, alluded to. Um, oh, but before we get into this as well, just have a little think. I want you to have a think as it is Christmas. Christmas presents you would like to see or would you would like to have given to football teams or football players. So have a little think of that. We'll do that a little bit later in the show. Uh, so let's start with Arsenal-Chelsea then. And who's this a bigger game for? I mean, Chelsea in this unique position at the minute where they're sitting fourth, but they're as far off the bottom as they are off the top. 20 points off uh, Liverpool and 20 points off uh, Norwich on the bottom. Um, but Arsenal have got a new manager. They haven't really got any momentum under Arteta yet, have they? I think it's a big game for um, Arsenal personally. Um, I think basically Arteta. Um, there was there was signs of what you want to see from I guess Arteta managing Arsenal against Bournemouth. Um, they were passing the ball a lot more. I mean, I think I just read them before that that was um, uh, Emery throughout his whole tenure at Arsenal only managed to have 60 plus possession away from home twice and he did that in his first game you know so he's already signs that Arteta's kind of trying to get his style into it and it's going to be very interesting to see with a little bit more time in the training ground though admittedly he'll get much time at this time of the year um, how he'll actually go in a big game and how he'll face a team like Chelsea who obviously is a, a derby so there's that edge to it but Chelsea aren't in great form so I think it's, um, it's a fascinating one for Arsenal there's more of a story there uh, Chelsea obviously have that kind of that that poor form, but they were already, even though they were quite toothless, there were more, definitely more signs of uh, Arsenal style changing. Uh, so that's why I personally am quite fascinated by it because I want to genuinely see if Arteta can. Uh, especially as a Man City fan, uh, take what he's learned from Guardiola, <laughs> kind of put it into practice because um, he did make changes. He did make changes. He put Torreira in the base of midfield, which uh, for some reason people have been unwilling to do that. I don't know why. But then, and Zaka uh, played a bit further forward and he was impeccable with his passing. So he has definitely uh, tried to implement his own style already. And the, the roots were there. So um, I think it's huge for him potentially. Um, Although the way I saw the game was they, they were lucky to come away with a point. Uh, oh yeah, no, yeah they were a bit toothless, yeah. but I, I think they were they kept the ball better. Is what I'm saying. Like the first pot, the first thing you'd expect from any uh, Lamazia graduate or someone who kind of practices that kind of football is to see if they can keep the possession, and they did. And I didn't think they played well, particularly, but you could see the signs of them trying to do what he wanted to do and be, be basically become the Arsenal of old, a possession based team. And, so I'm just going to see how it develops. So it's the third manager, if you count Jungberg, of the season for Arsenal. What, what's, the, what's the main differences? Do you think amongst Arsenal fans it's been generally positively received or just, just he couldn't have done any wrong? Um, yeah, I think it's a case of, in a normal situation, with all due respect to Bournemouth, Arsenal fans would be expecting to go to Bournemouth and win, given the injuries they've got at the moment, given the fact that they do seem to be struggling to, to hit that level of consistency that we expect from them. But I think, as, as Steve said, with Arteta coming in, I think fans are just looking and going, thanks for just making really logical choices in terms of team selection, in terms of tactics, and looking us to get passing the ball again. I mean, it's... It's massively undervalued and, and people kind of take the mickey out of Arsenal fans for the whole, you know, the old IT crowd joke of passing the ball into the net and, and all this stuff. But for about 12, 18 months, Arsenal have been unrecognisable as a possession-based team, as, as Steve said. Yeah. Just down to sheer basics of keeping the ball in midfield, looking to draw players on them and, and then and then hit an opposition defence. Um, and I think, yeah, it's still incredibly early days. There's only one game under his belt, but... Really, really small positive signs that I think fans will be will be pleased with. I, I'd probably disagree with Steve and say that I think this is a bigger game for Chelsea because I just think inevitably, whatever club you're at, 
fans do give a bit of leeway to a new manager. Yeah. Um, and I think generally there's a lot of positivity around Arteta. I don't think Chelsea fans are calling for Lampard's head. I think if you want to talk about managers that are going to be given leeway, I think Frank Lampard is top of that list. But they're still fourth as well, to be fair. Like, I, mean, I think it's about managing demands, and there will be there will be some Chelsea fans that will be going. Well, hold on a minute. A month ago, we were doing this. What's the problem? What's the problem? What's the problem? Mm. Lampard's job now is to manage expectations and get them back playing the way they were six weeks ago. Are we seeing a real rise in, in managers now? Because obviously Lampard's a former Chelsea player and relatively new as well, mm. only coming in in the summer. Uh, Arteta, brand new to management completely. Uh, also, you've got the uh, temporary manager that we had before Ancelotti came in, in Duncan Ferguson. And also e- even Bournemouth, as mm. an example, uh, Eddie, Eddie Howe was a Bournemouth player. And you've got, of course, at United, you've got uh, Solskjaer. Um, Lundberg was in as well. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so is, is this the way that it's going now? And and although the, the part of me wants to say, as Eddie Howe, I mean, you, you try and put yourself in his, his boots if I can ask you this question, Pete. Mm. Um, Eddie Howe is somebody that's been linked with the Arsenal job a lot. He's in his third job, although two of them have been with Bournemouth. 524 games now, I think he's got under his belt. He's still only 45. He's English. He's all these things that we're always crying out for that we're talking about. And yet... The Arsenal job is given to somebody that, as much as a hero as he, as he is, and as, as much as he's got good pedigree in terms of the people he's come up under, has no footballing experience at all. How, how is that going to feel for Eddie Howe? It depends if Eddie Howe wants to retain his good looks. Right. He, that, he is aged, <laughs> and his hair. He has aged remarkably well. He looks. He looks. <clears throat> he looks. Uh, he doesn't look a day over twenty-one. Yeah. And that. Out of that pressure scenario, look. You look at Jose Mourinho in a year's yeah. time. Well, look at look at, him look now. at how Arteta will be in a year's yeah, time. Yeah, and it, it it ages you double the amount <coughs> yeah. that it should. Yeah. And Eddie Howe has he's a very comfortable lifestyle down there. He's lived there for so long. His family are very happy and settled. Yeah. He's always said it would take a lot for him to leave the area. He loves living down there. Um, he spent so much time. It's home to him. So why would Eddie Howe touch a club in crisis like that that he doesn't really need to to step up he's I, not like he's not like he's if he's I 60 I think he's going to being honest I think if they came in for him they'd go tomorrow I just don't think he will so <laughs> yeah I, I think, think he would I, I, he think, would. I think maybe for a bit longer you know, you re- until you, until the aging aging starts to hit yeah. and the wrinkles start to appear, they go. All right, well, it's gone now. I may as well go. I may as well take these high pressure jobs. But so, do, do he's, think- he's young. He's young. He's happy down there. Then wait around for the job, the exact job that he can take. I think you're onto something here. I think with the big clubs, there comes a certain amount of pressure because uh, Boxing Day was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's anniversary of taking charge of mm-hmm. United, and he looked like a schoolboy when he took over. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and after the after the game, during the game as well, when he was doing the interviews, he looked more like one of the crankies. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just in a year. Yeah. Uh, it's not a look you want. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I wonder, does, does, is that something that extends to the fans? Like, for example, could you tell just by looking by a, a random person in the street, do you think you can tell which club they support by the grey lines, the wrinkles, the anger on their face? I, I think it's more the latter. You can see in people's faces more than the marks or the lines or the, or the dark circles under their eyes. I think you can see. You can see by the way they walk. You can see by the way they hold themselves. Uh, and this isn't even just with the, the giveaways of after a, after a game or after results not gone their way. I do this a lot. I actually play this game with myself on the train and look at people and go, "Who he supports? Who she supports?" And in my my head, you obviously, I'm not. Them, you know, you I'm, not, I'm not a lunatic. I'm not doing something ridiculous like speaking to someone on the train. You know, come on. Uh, in in my head.
head, I'm an A star student of this, right, yeah, uh, yeah. but I'm probably probably not. But I think there's I think there is some giveaways. Well, I suppose I, I suppose always think you can you... tell Premier League fans from non Premier League fans, right? How, how do you do that? <laughs> they just look more non Premier League fans just look more miserable. Yeah. They do and more tired. <laughs> Um, I, I I've always wondered what goes on in your yeah. head. <laughs> I suppose you're onto a winner here. Because Don't get on the train with me, ever. <laughs> if you never actually talk to them, then you can never find out if you're right or yeah, wrong. So yeah. it's genius. But that's, that ruins the game in a way. Yeah. yeah it right, speaking of talking... That's me getting arrested. Uh, speaking of talking, uh, Ozil's been in the news. Um, <laughs> has he got a future under Arteta or even at Arsenal apparently he's been good hasn't he in training since he came back in um, he was good he, he he looked up for it didn't he against yeah, he's like, um, yeah he's been uh, running relentlessly um, well, I guess did he actually did he play with Arteta he must be close like he must have been there when I, I think I, they were there at the, same, yeah, there at the that. same time. Whether he was yeah. actually, whether actually, I'm going to do a bit of research now. Everyone wants to play that. I think I think Ozil's been there about four years. Oh, uh, said he did. Arteta yeah. only left Arsenal three years ago. Yeah. Ozil's been there like a lot longer, like six years, I think, hasn't it? Yeah. So like, yeah, they're, they're friends, so they know each other well, and like, um, yeah, I mean, he's obviously a, a quality player. It's just, um, yeah, Ozil was there in 2013. Arteta only left three years ago, so like, definitely they were the teammates, you know, so they know each other very well and. If he can get the best out of him, and I think what what's interesting is that he hasn't done. Um, a lot of people wondered with Arteta in his first game. People were wondering if he's going to do the, you know, the four three three, the false eights kind of thing that Guardiola does, where he has one person sitting um, and kind of two people. I see it'd be De Bruyne and David Silva kind of yeah. both doing this kind of box to box thing. But uh, in his first game, he did more of a four two three one, which obviously leaves a space for Ozil just to be a playmaker and just to do exactly what he does best. And obviously, he'll have to press if he wants to kind of get the style you know that I presume Arteta will put in but it definitely is building the team around that central fulcrum as an attacking midfielder and that, that could suit Ozil perfectly um, obviously you want to fit in firing Ozil obviously because he just creates chances problem is we've just been here before though, haven't we Yeah, yeah. We, we've been here before with the uh, all that Mazat has done is a fresh start and then he gets the fresh start and it's, and it's the same old story and he's, he's a few years older starts. as well he's now. a few years older yeah, yeah. But I think I think if there's a if there's a coach because that's what Arteta is, isn't he? He's a coach to to get the best out of him and to and utilize him to in his best standard. Then I think this could this could be the one. How many times have we have we said this about coaches with Mesut Ozil? But I think this yeah, it, it could be the one to. It's it's been a tumultuous few years for for Ozil, so he needs he needs now just a bit a, a period of quiet and just concentrate on playing his yeah, football because well, stuff off the pitch that's got been going on. In, the, in this last year has, has not helped matters. But I just think when you look at the way that he plays, and we all know, as, as Steve said, if, if, if all the pieces of the jigsaw fit, and in theory, a fit and firing on for Mesut Ozil is excellent. You know, yeah. no Arsenal fan would, would ever disagree with that. The issue is that, <clears throat> yes, Arteta has the pedigree as a player, and you look at the way that he, he wants to play based on the Bournemouth game and, and what we know of Arteta, yeah. that you would think, in theory, Mesut Ozil would just slot straight, in, straight into that. But, Mesut Ozil's footballing ability has never been in question it's everything else that comes with him and I think mm-hmm. <clears throat> I understand that generally speaking with high profile players they only respond to certain types of, of manager in terms of profile he worked under Arsene Wenger and was a brat under the latter stages of Wenger I understand there was issues with Emery and obviously Jungberg for six weeks they're not going to get anything out of Mesut Ozil I get that but with that in mind, I don't see how Arteta kind of outranks Wenger in getting something out of Ozil. I don't see. I just like him more. I think in terms of coaching, I think he'll coach him differently. But in terms of mental application to the task at hand, I don't see Arteta being better at that than Arsene Wenger. There are stages when Wenger did get the best out of Ozil. Yeah, there was. But we're talking that was 
four years ago. Arguably, uh, Wenger's football started to disappear uh, towards the end of his like mm. reign there. Like they weren't, they were nowhere near as fluid as they used to be. The old yeah. Arsenal were uh, passed it around, which when Arsenal was at his best at Arsenal, <clears> that kind of just disappeared a bit. And Emery was quite pragmatic, I guess. Yeah, 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 in general. So I do, I, I, I think he could, it could work. This Arteta, you know, they know each other, they're friends. Um, he will build a team around him, and it's yeah. just it's on, it's on literally up to Özil, and he did play well the other day, so he's one of their better players, I thought. So. You know, well, no. let's let's leave Arsenal to one side because obviously there's another team that are playing in that game and that's Chelsea and Chelsea uh, despite that great win at Spurs it's actually only two wins in the last seven Premier League games you've got a bit of a theory about this haven't you Steve? Oh, I, I mean it's not a definitely it's not a solid <laughs> theory but it is notable that their form has dropped off since the, uh, the the transfer ban was removed basically I think that was 6th of December that kind of broke or 4th of December sorry and since then I mean they did lose the game before that but that was against City so that's kind of understandable but since then yeah that, <laughs> their form has dropped off and you start to wonder like I, I think it's a combination of many factors but you wonder if this is one small factor I mean if you've got if any team probably susceptible to looking over the shoulder it's probably going to be a bunch of exper- inexperienced younger players because they're the kind of people you mm. think well um, all of a sudden it's like uh, there's a little bit of uncertainty you know uh, they've, they've kind of uh, the manager's looking at the transfer window now maybe some of the players thinking I'm going to be replaced it's just a, a theory but it, it kind of has coincided with the form dipping off a bit that also could just be because you know it's, it's December it gets a bit, <laughs> it's, it's a bit more tired the game's get come thick and fast and stuff like that um, and also there are a few little injuries and some players <clears> well there's some of the young so just the form is naturally up and down and also Lampard's only young in terms of managerial so managerial experience so he'll make a few mistakes here and there as well well it's a club that's got a history of spending big in the transfer windows yeah. and also it's going to be Frank's first opportunity mm-hmm. if the money's available yeah. for him to spend so Pete what, what do you think he might spend if he's going to go out and spend the money if he could have one player where is he going to bring that player in? There's a lot of talk of Philippe Coutinho being the one because he's um, he's he's on he's only on loan at, at Bayern Munich and he's been nothing short of sensational this season and he's a, he's a player that was brilliant in the in the Premier League but was just in the wrong team like Liverpool are be- Liverpool are better without him um, and uh, as they've proven but he wasn't necessarily a bad player for the Premier League he was still excellent but they just got astronomical amount of money and. Chelsea now it's it's a bit when when you when you get given a sort of let off the leash like that unexpectedly um, you can panic buy that's when the sort of the panic buys can come in like oh hold on I don't think we could buy anyone now we've got we've got four hundred million sat in the bank um, but they 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 need to buy a striker they need to buy someone up front um, they, they've put all their eggs in one basket essentially with Tammy Abraham and and he's done as much as he possibly can but there isn't the reserves to come in um, and they've got the young forwards out out wide. But through the middle is where they need some cover. It's like it's tough in January, isn't it? I don't think most people you can't really build a team in January no. because mm. there's a premium and stuff like that. The teams know that Chelsea want to sign players because they've got this money burning in their pocket and all that kind of stuff now. And I think they'll be lucky to get one person in. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those things where they try and get someone all January and don't end up getting anyone because you see that happen quite a lot in football. Like, yeah. They will they will go to the transfer market definitely. Um, I don't know who they'll bring in. They've been linked to Draxler and Adrissi Gay because he's never barely played at all at PSG apparently. Um, who knows? It's quite a crucial time though for Chelsea because what they want to be doing is they want to be getting, you know, making sure that they're qualifying for the Champions League. Um, and with Leicester being in the mix now as well, it's making that a little more difficult. So actually, you know, it's not the <coughs> ideal time to be doing it, but they, they've got that fourth spot and they really want to hang on. To, I mean, potentially they slip up. We could be seeing, which would be incredible, Sheffield United pushing up there, which would just be incredible. I was, I was, I was at the... Um, 
Man United, Sheffield United game, and they blew United away in that first half. It could have been they could have been four up at half time, and how United come away with there with anything was was fun. And, and it was it was very much we, we, we are all sat in our Premier League bubble, aren't we? And mm. and anyone that watched them last season keeps telling me, well, they played all like this all last season. It's no surprise to me, but I, no surprise to Fergal, of course, who, well, who will no doubt remind you. Um, that he tipped Sheffield <laughs> and United, yeah, and bo- both of you yeah, did. Yeah. Okay, I tipped them top ten. To it, honestly, yeah. I wanted to hold some hands up. I didn't realise how good Chris Wilder is. Like, yeah, yeah. I looked at his record. I saw some articles saying like he was like the uh, the championships like Guardiola. So I was like, what? So I looked looked into his history. I was like, wow, he wins everywhere he goes. Mm. Like, at every level, he's gone up. And he's just won stuff and won awards and trophies. Like he's that football, good. It's the football that he plays. That, that sort he, of he, him well, inside, maybe he's the one Arsenal should be looking at. You know, he should have been instead of Eddie Howe. Maybe it's him. He's a winner. His football's <laughs> genuinely inventive. It's aggressive. It's pressing. Yeah, yeah. Hilariously, though, the thing I see the most, I think, in the last sort of six months has been Chris Wilder does not get the credit he deserves, but everyone seems everyone's to be saying, saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just yeah. that most people we want that to phrase in itself is yeah. giving him credit, but isn't he? But he's he's also another one. He's, he's another one. He's happy where he is. So yeah, I don't, yeah. he wouldn't he wouldn't want to go anywhere. Else. Um, we'll, we'll we'll get we'll get back there in in a moment when we look at the other games coming up as well. Um, they've not done very well from losing positions uh, this season in the Premier League, Chelsea, have they? No, uh, they're yet to win from a, a losing position so far in the league this season. I think <clears throat> to tie in, basically piggybacking on what, what Steve said, I think a lot of this ties in with young players. And, you know, obviously yeah. we can throw the cliches around about the, yeah. they're not comfortable in this situation or that situation. But I think what you need married up with a young team is experienced players that know how to manage games and manage certain situations. And I think when you look at the experienced players in that Chelsea team, they don't strike me as necessarily leaders or someone that if you're losing one nil against uh, a, a mid table or lower ta- lower lower bottom half table team that they'll go this is what we need to do this is what we need to do to get a goal and this is what we need then to go on and win the game there doesn't seem to be those individuals and i think that's then born true in the statistic that they haven't won from a losing position this season because we know that if they get in front, if Abraham has some joy against the centre-backs that are marking him and he gets a goal or Willian's able to cut in and, and score or create a chance, if Jorginho and Kovacic are ticking over in midfield, then generally Chelsea score and they go on to win. When they are asked questions, normally from sides that are not on their level in terms of league position, they struggle to come up with the answers. And that that's true right the way through the team because, as I say, you look at Jorginho... Kovacic, Antonio Rudinger, even Willian to an extent, who who is actually excellent for them this season. He's arguably mm. been their best player. They're not types of players. I'm not saying to be screaming and shouting and bawling, but organising situations, knowing that when the young players look at them, they'll they know what they're doing. They know what we need to do for the yeah. next ten minutes. Almost playing the game in, in blocks of this is what we do up to the hour mark, this is what we do from there. That doesn't seem to be an issue. I don't think they need, as I say, someone shouting and bawling, but they do seem to lack a bit of an organiser. Azpilicueta is probably the closest. That's why yeah. he's now in enduring as team captain. But other than that, scattered throughout the team, there isn't a player to say, there isn't someone close to Abraham on the pitch that says, listen, I know you've not had a sniff, but try doing this, do yeah, this, Kante's do this. Kante's got players, isn't he, in general? Yeah. He's, not really, um, he's a lead by example kind of player, Kante, yeah. is supposed to, yeah. And, and I almost think that's reflective in, in the manager as well. Lampard, excellent as he was for Chelsea, and, and he was a leader in a way, but when that team looked for leadership it was generally John Terry or they looked at someone that they knew was able to make a game an in-game decision it was potentially somebody like Drogba Lampard was someone that was a consistently really good player but he, he did he led by example he was like this is what I'm going to do rather than saying this is what you need to do if, if you see what I mean I think 
given that he's been in the job four months, he didn't have a transfer window. <laughs> he's sat in fourth place. I think mm. it's been a very no, good... No, I think he's doing very well. Yeah, and that's why I'm not saying hit the panic button. It's just inevitable, but, isn't it? I think they will have little kind of peaks yeah. and troughs. I think yeah. that's going to happen. As long as, I mean, they could, they could slip out the top four, which I guess given the start of the season, it's weirdly, like I feel like he's probably been a little bit of a victim of his own success at the moment because if they had a slower start, everyone would go, well, of course they had a slower start. They couldn't buy anyone. They've got young players playing. If they were sixth or seventh now, no one would be bothered if they got to fourth. It'd be, they'd be happy with it, most mm. fans, because they would accept it. It's part of the longer process. But the problem is they did start really well. You know, they did score plenty yeah. of goals. And as a result now, if you win a lot of games, people then just cannot accept losing a few games. As it is, I think they will play the way out of form. I think it's just, it's just going to happen. But they'll just be up and down until they get experience, until they kind of solidify their squad a little bit. And until some of the younger players kind of settle into the skin at this level because it's, it's inevitable but I think, they're, I think they're good I think they're largely good for me it's crazy that this uh, fixture between two of the top six is a team in 11th and a team in 4th <laughs> uh, so let's move on then to the other end of the table <laughs> and uh, drop down to Watford against Villa and two teams that are actually on the up with hopes mm. of survival uh, incredibly really when you look at where Watford have been and, and Villa's recent run uh, Villa seem to have got a little bit of a spark, and Watford under Pearson have been unrecognisable. What 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 is it that I mean? This this is the thing that I really struggle to understand in terms of the amount of time that he's been in there, which has been not even weeks. He's got exactly the same players that were available to the previous manager, and we've seen this at other clubs. What is it that Pearson's done? that has brought this run of results, which has seen them do very well. Drawing against Sheffield United, which is no mean feat, at Bramall Lane. Yep. Obviously, the win against Man United, not the force that they were. And then also, um, they were unlucky not to come away with anything from the game against Liverpool. I think the key to this, and, and we mentioned it on uh, last week's preview show with, with Adam and, and Jay, Organisation. I think I think it's as simple as that. When you've got a situation, you've had so little time to work with these players. You've got limited training time. Obviously, the fixtures are coming thick and fast over Christmas. I think Pearson's brief is obviously keeping them in the Premier League. But I think what he's basically done, if you look at the goals they conceded in the last three or four games under Kike Flores, a lot of set-piece goals, a lot of crosses coming into the near post, defenders getting beaten by runs across them, uh, or defenders not being in the right part of the 18-yard box to deal with crosses. I think he's looked and addressed those things and gone, right, let's start there. And then we'll look, and then we'll build, and then we'll try and have a bit more possession in midfield, and we'll look to get the forward players involved. But first things first, why are you standing there when the person you're meant to be marking mm. is standing over there? And it sounds ridiculous, and it sounds like we're, we're dumbing it down almost, but Sometimes it is. When, when you're a team like Watford, low on confidence, managerial upheaval on a ridiculous scale over the last few months, sometimes it can be as simple as Pearson and his coaching staff coming in and saying, you four, if you're going to be playing at the back at the weekend, we're going to drill this into you for a week's worth of training sessions and then go and implement it on the weekend. Yeah, unique stat for, about Troy Deeney last week, wasn't it? It's four, without changing clubs, yep. he's made four starts under four different Ooh, managers. Yeah. Well, that nails it. But uh, and, and sort of along sort of on that same point, it's often like new manager bounce. You all, it always seems to happen, doesn't it? And you just think, how does that? How does that happen? You know, one you know a change of personnel a couple of days before, and all of a sudden, like Duncan Ferguson, for example, at Everton. How on earth did Everton look like that against Chelsea in his first game compared to what? But they then had it didn't happen week? under Kike Flores. But what? It depends on what the players thought of the previous manager. Mm. It's not necessarily the new manager coming in and doing anything different. It's the fact that they're not doing the stuff that they disliked 
from when, with their old manager, depending on who the manager was. I was reading about him uh, earlier this morning. And I, I, an insider apparently said, um, what the, what's made the difference is better instruction, direction, leadership and communication. Communication apparently has been the big one because uh, apparently the, the methods are just a lot easier to communicate. Now, the, obviously two managers were Spanish. Their English was pretty good by all stretches, but according to this thing I was reading earlier like there was still every now and then a little bit of a lost in translation kind of thing so I wonder if Nigel Pearson is very direct isn't he you know, he's very mm. like I can imagine his things are very black and white you know they're very, quite simple to get um, and uh, that, that's apparently made a, a difference I can imagine someone like him if there has been a you know a very if it's been a little bit hard to understand him sometimes I can imagine he's probably quite a breath of fresh air to come in and be quite direct and quite clear and precise mm. with his orders but that's what um, you know I was reading earlier this morning I can imagine the uh, yeah Direction, instruction, leadership, and communication. Apparently, are the things that make a difference. Simple things on the training ground, but you know, I think as well. He's he's also played the same squad pretty much for the yep. last three games, yeah. which has been Watford's strength over the last few years. I mean, even from like a non-Watford supporter, uh, it, it was always guaranteed decent amount of points in a fantasy mm. league team because <laughs> yeah. you know that really matters. Gonna, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> those players are going to play all the time. I mean, obviously, you've had certain things where, like, Deeney's been out injured quite a lot, and he's come back, and we, we've talked about his his importance before. Um, but again, is 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 that just saying something that like, I, 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 what was wrong? Is it just playing those those players know what to do? It doesn't really matter what the manager says. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. And the Deeney issue, we can we can try and look to lessen it as much as we want. I'm not saying if Troy Deeney had been fit, Kike Flores would still be in a job, but it certainly would be a pretty significant variable to Flores' second spell at the club. And I think when you look at this team and kind of what I mentioned before about Chelsea, I'm not comparing Watford and Chelsea, but you look at the spine, experience, leaders, and, and players that will manage the teammates around them. These small things don't really seem like a, a lot on their own but but as Steve said sometimes it can be something as simple as messages being communicated more clearly on the training ground things being a little bit more direct clearly explaining to players this is what I want from you over weekend and you know we can talk about it's the same team and but I do think these small changes that appear as they are to us are significant because it boosts confidence because suddenly you could be going from being a centre-back to not really knowing what you're meant to be doing at set pieces or not knowing how high your defensive line should be. Nigel Pearson comes in and he says to Kiko Firmino or Craig Cathcart, I don't want you any more than this outside the 18-yard box when we're defending. This is where you should be at a set piece. Suddenly your confidence goes up. Yeah. You're looking at the guy next to you and going, and he knows what he's doing as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll, cor- yeah, we'll, we'll get this corner cleared and we'll push and we'll push and we'll push from there. Did Pearson actually say that? I've got images of you being in a bush with a pair of binoculars and a walkie-talkie. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> that like- was a different <laughs> incident. He was on a train, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me who you support. Uh, let's, let's go over to the other side. Now, Villa in this unique situation, really, where in two games, they're basically 12 points uh, in the fact that they've just played Norwich City and now they're playing another relegation rival in Watford so it's what you would call traditional six pointers two of them back to back over the festive period now that game I mean you could see it on the faces of Norwich City when when, uh, when they lost that Villa weren't that great to be honest but they got the win which is what was important it was their first win in six is that going to give them momentum to kick through is there any hope for them they're they're still very much in the let's Getting to know what our best eleven is, they've, they've mm. got a very quite an inflated squad, Villa, and they needed Conor Horan to come off the bench and get the winner, um, and they got lucky. Really, they could have easily lost that. They looked nervy. The whole ground, the whole ground sounded nervy, um, as it, as you would do, I suppose. But 
I mean, Dean Smith is not he's, he's not sure of what his best eleven is, which is always difficult when you're at the end of December. Um, because he's just got so many options. When you spend so much money in the summer, you've just got so many options, and they retained a lot of the same players. Um, so they, they've got a lot to do, and, I, and, and they are struggling more so, more than I thought they would. Because in patches this season, they looked excellent. Like even against like Liverpool, they were really good. They were very unlucky to lose that. Um, they were really good at Old Trafford. I know that's not as big a test as it once was. Before you say it, <laughs> um, and against the better teams this season, they've looked good, but they just not found that consistency. But looking they... good doesn't get you points. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And um, Nor- this is the thing I've really enjoyed watching Norwich this season. Yeah, yeah. But and they, they've looked great. There's been, been some great passes, some great through balls, but that does not come down to the business end of points, which is no. what it's all about. Yeah, and they just they just need to settle. They need to settle on they settle on the lineup, and then they'll they've got. It's one of those old cliches, isn't it? Are they, they got too good of players to go down almost? But have they? I mean, it's, if they don't know what the best eleven is, then. it's tough for goals. Villa, like Wesley's not done that well. Wesley. I mean, he started yeah. off he great, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he started, but he's become a bit of a scapegoat, and they just literally just lost John McGinn as well for three months, which is huge. huge yeah. Again, I mean, he's devastated my fantasy team. Yeah, as well. he's just yeah. such a good. He's absolutely huge. I mean, to me. That that's a I think that even though know, they won I mean they weren't that great I, I still think that's a bigger blow I think I could kill them off because John McGinn is that good yeah, for yeah, them yeah. like that's just yeah. and yeah I mean they're, they're linked to a lot of strikers in January so uh, they're linked to Mitrovic apparently and he's obviously you know he scores goals and all but that kind of stuff but, but is that what they want I mean, given what Pete just said goals points don't they, they you know? yeah, but, yeah, but they, they don't know <laughs> yeah. who the best team is and like, they've got an inflated squad bringing yeah. more people in is that going to help they brought um, oh god his his name escapes he scored a scored a hat trick against Liverpool in the. Uh, in the League Cup, it was his, it was his first start of the season. And he scored a hat trick. El Ghazi was it? Jonathan Codger came in, <laughs> and he and he and he had three chances. I know it was against Liverpool's under 14s but he he had three he, three chances and scored three goals. And that is all they need at the moment. They just need someone who who will who will take the chance when it comes. Because Wesley is having the chances, but he's just not putting them away. So yes, is it, you know signing someone like Mitrovic who could get you ten goals by the end of the season might be enough to keep them up. But do. A, a squad of 30 players need an, another additional body in there. I, I'm not sure. I think one of the issues with them is, and I think you, you both nailed it, there's been times this season where they've been excellent. There's times this season when they've been dreadful. They've never been good. How many times have you watched Villa this season and gone, yeah, yeah. they played really well, the they other. got the result they deserved, box ticked. And when you compare, that's almost exactly the same situation that we talk about with Norwich. And then when you compare that to Sheffield United, how many times have Sheffield United been good? You know, we do talk about games where they've been excellent been really impressed with this that or the other but generally speaking we've, we've just gone 8 out of 10 box ticked well done whereas with Norwich or Villa <clears throat> I think part of it is because as Pete said the money that they've spent and the players that they've got I think they feel almost duty bound to play a certain way to get a result in a certain way I'm not saying bore out a nil nil or bore out a one nil but consistency of performance comes from getting those seven and a half, eight out of ten performances. Mm. You can't have one nine out of ten and then five, four out of tens because that form will get you relegated. I think even that applies to the top of the table and what we've seen with Liverpool yeah. this season because we certainly haven't seen vintage Liverpool. I mean, the the game against, which we'll probably talk about in a little while, against Leicester on Boxing Day was phenomenal. Mm. Yeah. But... Like there's been a lot of games this season where they've just nicked it by they've won one 12 goal. goal 12, 12 games this season by a single goal, Liverpool, which kind of says it all really. And, and how many last minute winners have they got as well? It, it, it's it's all about that's that's why Liverpool have been so relentless this year. And United used to do it in the in the Fergie days all the time. In the fact that you just win when you're not playing well, not and even find a way. 
Mm. Still not even to that level. Not even yeah, close yeah. to this level. Liverpool's yeah. been a bit of freak season for them. Well, yeah. you need that not just at the top, but you need that at the bottom as well. You need yeah, yeah, so many yeah. times you need those just to get that result by one goal. And really, when it comes down to it at the end of the season, like to stay up, like how many wins do you need really when you look at back at previous seasons? Mm. Ten wins? Ten wins, yeah. All right, so that's that's Watford Villa. Uh, we'll leave that for there. We're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back. We're going to talk about Newcastle and Everton, all the other fixtures coming up this weekend. And also as well, I'd ask you to think about this as well, <laughs> the presents that you would have given on Christmas Day to Premier League clubs or players. And we'll do that next on the Football Social Daily. Sports Social. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily, the weekend preview edition. I'm Ant McGinley, with me in the studio, Virgil Brennan, uh, Hello. Pete Hall, they're both football journalists, and then you've got uh, me and Steve, who are just fans really, aren't we? Yeah, just nobody's really. Yeah. So you've got- <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, so we, we're looking ahead at the big games over this weekend. So much to look forward to. We've had so much football already over the uh, over the festive period. I found Boxing Day uh, kind of messed up my Christmas a little bit because I was just I was trying to watch all the games, uh, which was quite difficult because six of them were on at once. Yeah, yeah, but it basically meant like from like midday till. It was like 10 o'clock when the, the last game finished. I was just locked away. So it wasn't feeling very Christmassy. I mean, there was mince pies and other things involved. But there we go. I've just noticed, by the way, as we're recording this, Latan's just returned to, to AC Milan. Interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, as we're we... doing it right now, the second. But anyway. Well, the, the, so he's not, <laughs> so, go, he's not going to Everton now. No, Latan's so, gone yeah. to AC Milan, yeah. Uh, that was, so he was, brings us nicely onto this fact that uh, yeah. in the press conference, it was talked about Ancelotti's connection to Zlatan. He said, would Zlatan come? And he said, I did Zlatan, not know that, but that's a really nice segue. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. So basically, <laughs> he was asked about Seamless. Zlatan. Yeah. And he said, Zlatan would be welcome to watch, not to not play, to play yeah. which was quite an interesting statement. But uh, yeah, so. Uh, we saw Ancelotti's first game in charge of Everton, um, which I'd, I'd say he was lucky to come away with the three points. Mm. Great header from uh, Calvert-Lewin, though. Yeah. And Newcastle, great start against United at Old Trafford. Mm. First 15, 20 minutes. Uh, Longstaff repeating his uh, feet of, of, of the game in October, scoring early on. Potentially, was that another mistake from De Gea? Whether it was or not, still means he's only got two clean sheets this season. United <laughs> went on to play one of their best performances of the yep. season. We'll talk about them later. But Newcastle, feeling a little deflated. Everton, on the up possibly. How do we see this one going? Um, I think it's difficult to gauge an enormous amount from Everton beating Burnley. Uh, I, I spoke to a few friends who were at the game and they said that Burnley were time-wasting after 25 minutes. <laughs> so I think that shows where Burnley were at and also the fact that Everton didn't really argue shows where Everton are still at despite the fact that Carlo uh, you know I'm still amazed I think I, still, I think we're all still amazed that we're mm. saying Carlo Ancelotti Everton manager so I'm just Wild, I'm just gonna, isn't it? I'm just going to get that out there I love it more of this stuff um, I think the only the only thing that's really caught my eye was a change of system uh, it went for 3-4-3 three, three. Um, and again it's a little bit of a throwback to what Steve said right at the start about Arteta Carlo Ancelotti's gone into the team or gone into the club and into training and gone, right, we've got an excess of fullbacks and we've got an excess of defenders. Until I'm in a position to buy and change things around, I'm going to utilise what I've got. I don't want to have uh, Seamus Coleman on the bench and Jibril Sidibe playing when I can have both of them playing. I thought you put these quotes into it. Like, got, I heard these things being said, it's great. I'm guessing this is Carlo, <laughs> yeah. Carlo and I are pretty tight. But I think that's... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. These early stages, it's difficult to gauge what a manager is going to do, what yeah. he's going mm-hmm. to bring. And again, we are still talking about Ancelotti at Everton. So I think 
based on the Burnley game, I think that is his, his line of thinking of, this is what we have to work with. I'm going to look to utilise what I've got for now. I think we could be in for quite an interesting transfer window for yeah. Everton. I know they spent a lot in the summer, but Ancelotti's not coming to Everton with no money. And I think it could be quite interesting for them next month. I think it's really, and obviously it's, it's obviously a good appointment for Everton because he's Ancelotti, but mm. I think he's good because he, I think he's actually what Everton need, genuinely, because Ancelotti's quite famous for being like, when you think of Ancelotti, most people will probably struggle to say what his style actually is. He isn't a famous, like, he's mm. famous for not being a tactician in the sense that he doesn't really have a style that he calls his own. He's very mm. flexible around his plays. He's a man manager. He quite famously as well, let the Chelsea players like pick his tactics before a cup final like, back in 2010. He literally yeah. said to the players, you choose your he tactics. He always says he works around yeah. He works the players and like he's very good at that. Sounds like a boss that's come in with a hangover. (laughs) All the players love him because he's just like a really knowledgeable dad type figure to them all. And obviously, basically, the dressing rooms always respect him. So, Everton have got a talented bunch of players and they're very rudderless. And they've always got managers coming that are very different. And maybe they just need someone to take this bunch of players. And they've been signing a lot of people and they obviously spend a lot of money. I'm not saying they've got a world class bunch of players, far from it, but they have got talented players that should be doing a lot better than they do and maybe he's the kind of person to come in and actually can just control this ship you know and it could be also like what um, Mancini was Manchester City a long time ago because you know Ant and myself are Man City fans and we had Mark Hughes beforehand and he was he did he signed some good players but in general he didn't he never looked comfortable at that level and Everton want to be at that level Everton do spend money uh, so maybe Ancelotti could have a similar effect to Mancini did because he could attract those players where you, you know for a fact Mark Hughes could not have attracted David Silva and Yaya Torre where <laughs> like he couldn't he no, couldn't no, whereas no, not, not yeah, Mancini could have because he was a bigger name and Ancelotti could have a similar impact to Everton so. just, just talking about Mark Hughes looking uncomfortable I just had a memory then of when the, the most un, the most <laughs> uncomfortable I ever saw Mark Hughes look uh, was when Sheikh Mansour came in and he met them at the he met the players and the manager and Mark Hughes was shaking hands and you could see at that moment that he wanted everything to do with the club except Mark Hughes and Mark yeah, Hughes yeah. knew it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he's giving he's presenting the Sheikh with a Man City shirt and he's just got going this well, is the only time I'm ever going to see you he did, he did sign <laughs> us he did get us uh, Zaba and company yeah, so I mean, but, yeah. but I do think Ancelotti could be He's obviously he's a better manager than a good manager but I honestly believe his style really suits what Everton needs at the moment I think no, he could be the man to bridge that gap for them now as I understand Ancelotti his gift from with, within the footballing community people, people say that his style is very much he goes in and he works with what he's got yeah. he doesn't have a style that he brings from club to club to club which really when you think about it is perfect for what Everton have got because they have a mishmash of players the that have come in players, they have yeah. a collection now they have some great players in there there's some great talent it's and and alright I got Sheffield United right but I got Everton wrong this season you know I tipped mm-hmm. Everton to do very well to break that top six potentially now with Ancelotti they could still get back up there with a run the question is just before the transfer window, he's he's only had one game to really see them through their paces, a couple of training sessions. He's gonna I think we're gonna see a lot of traffic in and out of Everton in the January transfer window. The question is, who goes? Well, there is there is a fair bit of deadwood in there and, and it's always one of those when you look at a squad list of Everton, there's loads of players and then you think He's still there, you, you know. You, the amount of times that you say that, like Kuko Martina, for example, is when I, I, I thought he'd gone <laughs> gone a long time ago, and, and he was on the bench under Ferguson for two yeah, no, games. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, he's still. There. And then Czech Tosin is another one that's that's he's not been the player that he thought he was going to be. 
Um, you, Morgan Schneiderlin potentially. Omani Ass is another one who's, who's still there, um, picking up decent money if, and, and not playing at all. I don't. I, I don't know if if there will be that many incomings at Everton. Not in January anyway. I think. I think Ancelotti might call for a little bit of calm, a bit of stability. And I thought it was quite poignant what he said about Moyes Keane, where he basically he said, "I I know him from my time in Italy. I've worked with him um, before, and." I know how much talent that he's got, so I want to utilize. You know, I want to get the best out of him. And he's a player that's not really played. He didn't really play much under Marco Silva. So if he size another striker, that means that Moise Keane isn't. You know, he's even further down the pecking order potentially. So I think he might, especially in this season like this, where there is there is no expectation this season, isn't there? There is not like you must finish in the top seven. Where after the start they've had, they can't say that to him. So I think. He might sign one or two, but I think I think you might be right in the fact that there might be more players out than uh, than coming in because it, again, it's quite a crowded dressing room. Will success for Everton this season be simply just staying up because they're, they're in the danger of being sucked into that relegation zone? I think I don't necessarily buy into this idea, and I, and I said this a couple of seasons ago when they panicked and brought Allardyce in. I don't think even the way things were going under Silva, I still think whoever they brought in, they, they would have just enough to be okay. Um, but I think now expectations have been completely flipped. As you said, start of the season, we were talking about, is there a potential they could crack the top four? We're all kind of assuming, given the money they spent, that they'd be right in the Europa League conversation. Neither of those things have happened. So I don't think staying up would be an achievement. I think it's the absolute minimum now, given the fact they've got Ancelotti in charge and the players they've got. I think he has to drive them on. I think if he can manage to sneak them into the back end of the Europa League spots, that will be an achievement. I don't think anyone has said to him, you need to keep us up. You, you don't say that to Carlo Ancelotti. You, no. you know, he wouldn't be going. Even if that was just a short-term target, he would say no, because this still demonstrates your um, uh, your ambition levels. So I don't think that would be an achievement for them. I think they will. Um, I think he'll look to get them to motor on up the table, but... I still think there's real concerns about whether they're actually good enough to get into the top seven because I think there's comfortably seven better sides yeah. than them in the league at the moment, regardless of the Ancelotti factor there's, or, or there's not. There's so many teams you can say, oh, they could they could challenge for the top six, but there's loads of teams you yeah. say that about. And, like, and Everton are smack bang in the middle of that conversation. Yeah. I think direct, the director of football, Marcel Brands, will be looking towards the summer now rather than yeah. January. I think he'll be... and. They'll be identifying players that they need to go for and, and start and start to put those deals into place for the summer rather than January. Yeah. I think. It'll be fascinating. The summer. They're, yeah. they're up against uh, a team that had a big manager of a team that went down and stayed with them. We were all surprised when Benitez did that with Newcastle and came back up with them. Obviously, Benitez no longer at Newcastle, but Steve Bruce has really surprised a lot of people with how well they've done this season. Um, has that just been a fluke? Uh, are Newcastle... Uh, is this a false position for them where they are on the table at the minute? Well, they've got some unexpected results this season, haven't they? And it was it's sort of nice to see in a way because uh, obviously following Rafa Benitez was always going to be tough because he was so popular. Um, and so richly talented as yeah, well. Yeah, so richly talented as well. And Steve, you know, Steve Bruce has, has done well in the past at certain jobs, but he doesn't c- command anything... St- Anything like the gravitas that Rafa Benitez does, but it's nice to see that he was getting, he was getting stick of his own fans before they played a single game. So it is nice to see that Newcastle are sort of you know we all expect you know, I certainly expected them to struggle this season. Um, I had them I had them in the bottom three this season. Um, 
And it's it is nice to see them up there because the club obviously means so much to see Bruce as well. Which is, and it is it is nice it is nice to see him doing so well. And do you know what for me as well? It's just been nice that there's been talk about what's going on on the pitch, yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. what's happening well, in the boardroom. They yeah. didn't win a game until November last year, you know. So like he's, he's done a much better job than Benitez has yeah. in the Premier League compared to Benitez last year. So like. Like I, I, I laughed as well when Bruce came. I think most of us did, but like yeah. they're, they're comfortable. They've yeah. become Newcastle have always been a very emotional club. You know, they've always been like uh, disaster to glory yeah. to disaster to glory, and that's always been uh, the yeah. They just that's what they've always been, and all of a sudden now they're just like a comfortable mid-table side, and they look fine. I don't think they're going to have any struggles this season, and kind of have to give Bruce credit for that because he, he had almost what felt like an impossible task, you know, because Benitez did very much making himself uh, a martyr in the eyes of the fans he was like saying look my hands are tied I'm going to have to go yeah. and he made himself and rightfully so he played a very tactical game when he left to make sure the fans knew it wasn't his you know, fault mm. and all that kind of stuff and Bruce just come in and actually just he's done very he's done surprisingly well to the point is where he's kind of made a few people and myself included look a bit stupid because I really doubt it I thought there was a certainty for relegation but you know, Elmira on scoring goals. You know, they're they're uh, the the troubling good teams and goal. A goal. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. He's he's involved in goals. He's got a goal and assist in the past. Yeah. You know, month where he had done none in ages, and they're, they're just. They're just a decent team now, and no one expected that. So. And also, as well as Almiron being a bit of a cult hero, Matty Longstaff as well. That's you know the, the Longstaff brothers. The let's game, just say, yeah. Um, and and that's for for as you say, an emotional club. Which I, I think, to be fair, every club's emotional if it's if yeah, it's yeah, your yeah. team. Um, but how how wonderful is that for the for the fans? It's it's the equivalent of Phil Foden for for us as City yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah. Times two, there's two of them, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, the, playing in. Oh God, I, I would love for Phil Foden to have a brother right now. <laughs> <laughs> Both on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> but again, something that they're struggling with at Newcastle is goals, and Joel Linton really hasn't come forward. Yeah. I, I think Longstaff, great that he's got the goal. It's not enough. Uh, Maximin's in, in injured again. Uh, Carroll. Mm. He's managed to stay fit, mm. but unfortunately hasn't delivered. He's having to play Dwight Gale. Dwight Gale yeah. starting uh, again for Newcastle after uh, coming back from his loan spell. Um, they're short. They're really short up front. Um, I mean, I mean to be fair, the, the medical uh, staff, I remember when, when Carroll came back, they said it's probably going to be January before he can play a full game and be full, fully yeah. fit. Yeah. So... You know, the, now is the time, Andy. You know, if you if you can, if you can bring it <laughs> yeah. back, that would be wonderful. That would be great. Look, he gets he gets a, a a lot of stick, doesn't he? And he's a bit of a joke figure in a way. But he he isn't bad, and he no. he enjoyed the best years of his career in Newcastle. So it, again, you know, it would be nice to see it'd be nice to see him fired again for Steve Bruce. But you can't rely on it. You can't no. rely on no. a player that's been injured for so long. Even even if he stays fit, finding anything anything like any f- kind of form, you, you can't depend on it. So they, they, they certainly need to invest in January, I think, up front. I think if we, if we're to go along that line, we can almost copy and paste that for so many teams yeah, in the, yeah, yeah. the table. They haven't got someone that can score goals. And I think Newcastle have got enough about them in other areas of the team yeah. to keep them safe. But there's a worrying lack of strikers for teams in the bottom half of the table to so be getting even just into double figures and yeah. I think there'll be a lot of managers maybe scratching their heads in January and thinking do I stick or twist do I yeah. do I last 30 million on someone get them in that they might get the goals that Dimitrovic conversation we had before and I I can see some silly moves in January for for mid-table lower table clubs yeah. going for strikers as they look to chase a bit of a dream I mean what you would give to have a player in your team that is scoring a lot of goals right now and uh, I suppose that brings us on to Danny Ings and he's come good very uh, Southampton for the first time really this season 
taking a breath of non-relegation air uh, thanks to, in part to the goals he's been scoring great win for them as well yeah. at the, uh, uh, over Christmas uh, they take on Palace uh, who provided us with possibly the, my Boxing Day highlight in the IU goal on the 90th minute yeah, Lionel, Lionel Messi. If that was Lionel Messi, we'd be going on and on and on about that, wouldn't we? Because he does it all the time. That's probably why, really. Yeah, yeah. It, was a, <laughs> it, was a, it was a beautiful goal, wasn't it, Jenny? And the way it was like last minute as well. That pirouette at the start of yeah. it. And, and then I, don't think he, I don't think it's one of those things where he does the run where he's like, oh, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And the way at the, the end, he stops yeah, yeah. and he kind of like, he looks as if I've, I've got it. I've got to finish it now. And he, what a finish. Hey, it, it's, always, it's always extra special when it's a player that completely surprised you. Like if you could list a hundred Premier League players that you think could do that Jordan you would not be on anyone's list no, no. even he wouldn't even be on the Crystal Palace like, even bad Palace fans if, would if tell someone, you can't do that if I said to you oh Palace scored last minute brilliant goal guess who scored yeah. I think you'd be going yeah, I think you'd be, you'd be talking Wayne Hennessy yeah. the, 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 ground, the yeah. groundskeeper that fellow sits sits, <laughs> sits by the corner flag no Jordan Ayew uh, but, but, although having said that that was only my second favourite moment of that game I don't know if you've seen this if not go and check it out my favourite moment of that game was Patrick Van Arnholt taking out Roy Hodgson how long did he take to get back up I, actually they, they, were, they were both fine so oh, right, okay. Roy Hodgson thankfully uh, looking I'm very spikely uh, what do we reckon with this game then Saints Palace where's that going to go I mean Saints very much got the momentum Palace you know comfortably mid-table at the minute Palace have done well against sides around them this season and, and they've proved to be relatively ruthless of just they win a lot of games by a goal uh, and do enough obviously not through Jordan Ayew as we just mentioned but generally someone else gets a goal to, to tip the balance for them I think Harson Huttle is, is aiming for something a little bit higher in terms of performances and in terms of where he wants to be this season and Ings to, to follow on from the goals discussion that we had before he is the most valuable commodity in that area of the table a striker that scores consistently Again and again, he scores against the size that you need him to score against and he scores important goals all the time. Um, they obviously missed him, uh, I think, at the start of last season. That was a lot of struggles they had because he was injured. He does have a little bit of a issue with injury every now and again, but if they can keep him fit for the rest of the season, I think they're absolutely safe. And I think in terms of this game and where it will go, I actually think he could well be the decisive factor because both sides need a Danny Ings Crystal Palace can't be relying on Jordan Ayew all the time to be scoring these amazing goals because it's not going to happen. Danny Ings will get you a ball across the box to, to be tapped in. I, I can see this almost in my mind's eye. If you've got a tenner in your pocket, Southampton to win 1-0, Danny Ings to score. Wow. Oh, there we go. All yeah. right. Um, I don't have any money, so I'm not going to say. Wages. I was going to say, at, at, at the minute, I, I'd, be, I'd be putting my money on. I wonder what the interesting bets would be for Watford to stay up this season. Uh, mm. Let's move on to Brighton against Bournemouth. Um... I'm a big fan of Potter. I'm a really big fan of Graham Potter and what he's doing at, at Brighton. Although it's not manifesting into results at the minute. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Everyone, uh, he's, he's been earning a lot of applaud. It's got a, uh, halfway through his first season, already got a new contract. Um, out of, absolute, out, yeah. out of nowhere. Um, but they've got less points than they had at the same stage under Chris Hewton, uh last season. So... Is it really going that well? This show glimpses. They were great for twenty minutes against Tottenham, and then and then fell apart in the second half. Um, losing losing at home to Sheffield United. They they need what the one 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 win in eight. One win in eight. I mean, and he's still no, and he's still people are saying, oh yeah, I really like I really like Graham Potter. One win in eight. I mean, 
That's not great. I mean, is the, it? The, the difference is like uh, somebody like Marco Silva. Marco Silva held on to his job yeah. for a long time. Yeah, but Marco Silva has what, a great knack of, of making you fall for his project, doesn't he? he? He has that face. You just feel sorry for him. He, he, he looks like somebody who's, who's been shouted at constantly. For I a think long, he's long got time. photos in the back of the drawer of yeah. somebody. Yeah. He must have something. <laughs> The, yeah, it's a, some 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 kind of uh, great con going on there. But no, I th- I think Potter generally. I mm. mean, he he's, he did a great job uh, when he was was it Sweden. He was managing the and and then he, then he came over and he's done his time with Swansea as yeah. well. He's coming and he, he was very respectful of what what Chris Hutton had done before him as well. And he said that's what's been happening. This is what I'm going to do. He's brought some great performances out of some players. He's brought great players in from other clubs that have gone down, like Aaron Moy coming in. Yeah. Uh, Dupai's played very well so far as well. Yeah. Trossard's, Trossard didn't even play yesterday. He's kept Trossard on the bench, who's, mm. who's arguably one of their best players. Um, they, they went in front at Tottenham, mm-hmm. but... Um, I mean, Mourinho desperately needed some joy in his life because his dog died on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, it's awful. Yeah, I, 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 I don't even know where to start on that one. Yeah. Uh, but so, uh, and then, and then as for, as for Bournemouth and Eddie Howe, I actually thought they were unlucky not to beat Arsenal. Yeah, um, and I sort of, I was, I was sort of listening to, um. BBC Radio Five Live about this and talking about Bournemouth and you know what's what has gone wrong this season because nothing really has massive drastically gone wrong. It's just it's almost become a little bit stale. Like he's been working with the same players for so long. Like Callum Wilson's been there for five years. Josh King's been there for five years. Ryan Fraser, and it's it's those players that aren't hitting the heights that they have done previously, which is where, where Bournemouth. So that that noise, by the way, is peak bang in the desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting my point across, and uh, it's yeah. Ryan Fraser is is the obvious, is the easy sort of example in the fact that you know last year Arsenal were reportedly willing to pay thirty million pounds for him. And this season he can't he can't buy an assist. I mean, um, I mean they did finish. I mean it's great when we all think about. I mean they finished fourteenth last year, Bournemouth. They're only sixteenth now. They're kind of yeah, yeah. They're probably just where they were gonna be. You know, like they're yeah. just that kind of team. They don't really have, you know, they don't they're not really blessed with big investment or anything like that. They're very much punching above the weight. Obviously yeah. the size of the, the stadium as well. And the fact that they, they are a team that looks. I mean this respectfully in terms of the setup and the size of it. They don't look like a Premier League team. No, about no. them. So the fact that they are kind of out of the relegation zone round, round with the art I don't think we can reasonably expect much more unless they get yeah. lucky everyone so. always thinks at the start of the season this is like this is the year now they've yeah had the, they've had the time and, 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 and they start to punch above the weight again but <clears> if, <throat> if, if, it's, if they keep doing it it can't be punching above the weight so you're, you're, Steve's right in the fact that they are only you know they're 16th and they finished 14th last season it's only a couple of places but they're close to the relegation and that's the, yeah. that's, the, that's the difference in the fact that one you know if, if Villa win and, and, and Bournemouth lose then they're, they're, they're in the bottom three so it's it, they've got some winnable games coming up that is, this is their this is their time now when they've got um, they've got Brighton they've got Watford they've got Norwich um, the, it's a big one of games, that, isn't it? Yeah, they've got. Don't if you can win a, a couple of, you know, they've got Villa as well. If you got Brighton again, they play Brighton, Brighton twice. Brighton twice. If you, if That's you, a really big one of games for them. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of points there potentially. If you win, if you win half those games, you, you, you're, you know, you're out of trouble. Interesting on this. This is one of uh, two fixtures between all English managers uh, this this weekend. The other one being Watford Villa. Just take a guess how many uh, English managers we have in the Premier League at um, the moment. It's ten. Ten. 11? 9? It is 9, Fergal. <laughs> yes, there we go. Uh, so, and actually, we, we got, we've got got three in the top five teams at the minute as well, because you've got 
Uh, oh, no, sorry, not three. Uh, you've got Frank Lampard and Chris Wilder uh, bringing up the top five with uh, Chelsea and uh, and Sheffield United. Then you've got Hudson, who's probably the oldest in there. Yeah, he is. Uh, Steve Bruce, Sean Dyche, Graham Potter, Eddie Howe, Dean Smith and Nigel Pearson. I, I don't remember a time when you've had that many in the English Premier League, that many English managers. Yeah, well, uh, Big Sam would tell you uh, would say no way, no, like, they would never get a chance, never get a chance. The British managers do get, do. Get he can't manage to get a chance. He can't get a chance. That's all. Um, so, gone to two teams uh, with uh, German and Portuguese in charge, just to give a bit of clarity. Uh, <laughs> uh, not clarity, a bit of. Uh, Did you get an Alice for Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got Norwich at home to Spurs. Norwich. Oh. It's tough for Norwich, isn't it? Yeah, can't, can't see this going any other way, but really want Norwich to get something. Their energy's disappeared, really, yeah. hasn't it, in general? They, they were fun at the start. They got that one against City and everyone's in the pookie party and then it's just it's just kind of plateaued a little bit. Um, I just don't think they're quite good enough. I the, mean, as simple as that. The it, pictures of the players on the park after the Villa game, it looked like they just lost the cup final. Yeah. And that's it, isn't it? I mean, that they'll be looking at if, when, even Norwich. You're looking at teams around you, like Watford, Villa, you know, in Bournemouth, and, all, and they, they're the only got games where if they're gonna somehow claw it back, and they're already seven points off now, a safety. Then they're the games you simply have to win, and especially when it's a Villa team that just aren't winning at all. That was a very, very, very bad game for them. Just it's just it's one of those things where they're thinking, can we actually pull this back now? And he probably felt that way after full time as well because. Yeah, there'd be certain games you look in the calendar and they'll pick out fixtures and go, look, maybe we can get some points there. And that 100% would have been one. Yeah. Uh, and Spurs obviously came back against uh, Brighton. Uh, must have been some half time team talk from Mourinho. I did wonder if maybe he brought his dead dog in and said, look, this is wow. what happened to me yesterday. <laughs> yeah. This is like, do it for, if do it not for, for me, do it for my dog. Uh, yeah, kind of like a terrifying twist on Dead Poet Society. Um, I can see Norwich getting absolutely Mourinho'd here. I think Steve's absolutely right. They, they just look deflated. They, they look like they're not really going anywhere. The kind of zip and energy about them at the start of the season just just seems to have vanished. I know Pukki's kind of got back into a bit of form and he's got a few goals in the last month, but still, they, they just, they just as, as Steve said, they just don't look good enough right there through the first 11, right there through the squad. And I think Tottenham, yeah, things haven't gone absolutely swimmingly under Mourinho because, you know, it's Mourinho um, and he doesn't change. Dead dog or no dead dog. And... <laughs> I expect them to get a win here. Yeah, I thought they were a little bit underwhelming. Don't expect them. Don't expect it to be too too enthralling. Yeah, they yeah. won, but I thought they weren't that impressive really against Brighton. I thought they looked a little bit. I don't know, just a bit. What everyone says Mourinho is these days, you know, a little bit boring the football, a little bit just like moments of individual brilliance, kind of with that. Ali's goal was quality, and I, you just wonder as well. Like people like and Bailey seems to have just disappeared. And yeah, there's like a bit of like, trouble brewing there. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy. Do, do, so, a quote I saw that said Mourinho said he didn't want to be selected. He yeah, didn't yeah. want to play. Now <laughs> yeah. that doesn't sound it sounds like very to me. Mourinho, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, like oh, oh, just it's Christmas. Yeah. Do you mind if I, uh, I spend yeah. that? Give day? me a break. Come on. Yeah. 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 Where's that? Yeah. Where's that bus to throw my players under? That's I mean, in, he has Chelsea got a few wins, doesn't he? It's kind of coming down the M6. Someone's just driven out of Manchester for him. He's been there for what six weeks, and that's how it's taken. Oh, I'm surprised it's taken him this long. So. We've just talked about a team that seemed to be sort of uh, lost of, uh, of energy and, and bereft of ideas, and then a team that are underperforming. And now we've got the next fixture is um, a manager that seems lost for ideas in, in Pellegrini at West Ham, and a team that have underperformed in their last couple of outings in Leicester City. I think Pellegrini, he is a sitting duck uh, in terms of 
the sack race, he was obviously mentioned in the conversation with Unai Emery and Marco Silva a month ago. I think the win against Chelsea bought him a little bit of a stay of execution, but I think he's constantly on like a three, four game stint. Three three losses, four losses in a row, I think he's gone. I think West Ham are waiting to just to just push him over the edge. And it's it's not nice to see. You guys as City fans, obviously I'm sure you've got a lot of positive things to say about Mamma Pellegrini, I think. Yeah, it's a bit of a shrug, really, but overall. No, like, he seems like a nice guy, but yeah. just very uninspiring. Yeah. Like, but I mean, not a bad, like, Jenny's just lovely, but he just he's a bit I, uninspiring. Yeah, I Do you mean, think he th- deserves to get sacked? <laughs> well, I mean, well, we'll give you spent a bit of money, and they definitely should be better than you know, 17th. So uh, I, if he gets sacked, it's, it's his own fault, I th- really. I think, for, I, th- I think from our point of view, uh, as City fans, he replaced somebody much loved in Mancini. Yeah, and uh, I he mean won the, the league, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. and, and, and he the, 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 the way he came in as he came in sort of mid season, really, wasn't it? Um, well, he came in. No, he came to start. Oh, he basically that, the season when he won the league, we we were really good for about six seven months and got top. Then we did actually kind of just roll through the end of the season. We won it. We only just won it in the end. Um, yeah. uh, so it was a that was the thirteen fourteen season where Liverpool kind of did slip up quite a lot. Um, mm. That was the season, wasn't it? I think mm. um, and. But we, we nearly surrendered the league that season. But mm. after that, the football got very slow and very insipid and a bit mm. lifeless. And then obviously the season after, halfway through the season, Guardiola was announced. But yeah. Pellegrini, it got quite boring towards the end. Like um, he's quite a lifeless guy, and like and it's yeah. just it just. His and you feel like a dire. yeah. He's, so, he's some, somebody him, said but... to me, and it seems very topical at the moment as well. He does look a little bit like the Emperor from Star Wars. <laughs> I think yeah. he looks like I think he looks like Audrey out of Coronation Street. It's just um, <laughs> poor guy, like two wildly different careers. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. Like I, maybe he gets January because West Ham never spend money on defenders. They just never do. Like they always seem to spend, spend money on forwards or attacking midfielders. And I just wonder if they're always flattered to deceive in the end. I mean, they're, they're on paper they've got a really good. That's they got a really good paper, team. Yeah. Even at the back, even at the back, like Diop is absolutely fantastic, and a player that United were looking at. For... Even then, they didn't spend much money on him when they got him. Didn't no, they? that's so true. That's the yeah. Thing, yeah. But... I mean, the, the the big problem this season has been the, the goalkeeping situation. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, uh, Fabianski Roger. was basically what, we, what, it, what it turns out was papering over the cracks because last season he made the most saves out of any Premier League goalkeeper. Again, statistics take take that out. Fantasy league. Yeah. <laughs> he was going to get you a lot of points in terms of shots saved. But take yeah. that, take that out, and put in. Somebody who had balloon uh, man, yeah, in Roberto, yeah, and yeah, it, and it's yeah. football's quite a simple game, really, isn't it? Sometimes if your goalkeeper's rubbish, you're not going to do particularly. You well. can just imagine right now, Jamie Vardy is going, please let yeah, yeah. Roberto be in goal yeah, again, because yeah, because yeah, yeah. uh, he, I mean, it, it, Leicester, Leicester need a win at the minute. They 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 need a good performance. I, I was I was at I was at the game on Boxing Day. Um, Against Liverpool, and they were so disappointed. I was like, "Right, here we go. This is the team that's really gonna, really gonna test Liverpool. Finally, that you know their unbeaten run is gonna come to an end." And they were they were awful. Um, mm. like, as as and Brendan Rodgers afterwards was so dejected. He was, you know, he, he was just like, "Oh, you know, we we weren't at our best, but you know, maybe this is this is the sign of how much work we have still got to do." Which is which is which is true, of course. And and again, they've been punching well above anyone could have expected them to. But it was. They, they did. There's no shame in losing at Anfield, at Old Trafford, the Etihad, and against Liverpool. This Liverpool team twice. There's no, there's no shame in that. So they shouldn't. They don't necessarily need need a win because they're already performing yeah, well yeah, above expectations. Like yeah. If they finish fourth, that's still a fantastic season for them. There's no, there's no pressure on them because no, in, in, in several ways, several respects. One, because no one expected them to be here, yeah. and two, because unlike Liverpool. 
like they won the Premier League. You know, that's yeah, not yeah, that's yeah. not a, that's not a dig. That's it an is. actual genuine thing. That's <laughs> to say that, that that they you would imagine they'd be a bit more relaxed in that situation because. Liverpool, there's a lot more pressure on them. Even even with this ridiculous gap that they've got, people are still going, there's nerves about it. It's a bit like being a City fan for a long time. It's a big January for Leicester in the fact that t- keeping hold of their their, their players. Yeah. They, they won't sell them, I think. They, they won't. But some are possibly. Some, but some, in the, it's just uh, the money they asked for, any of them. To replace players like that at a, a club like Leicester is, is, is borderline impossible to have these have all these fantastic well, young players you say that, and that, sell them. The, the Maguire went and Soyuncu stepped in and yeah, been true. been a revelation at one point. And he, he was, was already flying there. down the left wing as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've other thing is as well if they get a couple of they haven't got any cover at the back. I mean their third choice centre half is thirty six year old Wes Morgan. Um, so yeah. they they could be derailed with a f- more few bad, injuries, few injuries, places. a few and a, and a few bad results, but. They've, it's such a talented squad that they're they're going to they're going to start winning games again. I think they just want to be the best of the rest. And uh, yeah. after City and Liverpool, there's, there's no real yeah. great team at the moment. I think that's that's not an unfair summation. And they're ahead of City as it stands at the moment. Yeah. Um. I think I don't think the fans will be too. They'll probably. I think it must be tough for the fans a little bit because they obviously they feel the top of the world. It might be a little bit of a sobering you know a couple of weeks for them, but. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with a reality check. If anything, he probably strengthens Rodgers' position a little bit as a manager as well because yeah. he can turn around to the board and go, look, you know, we're doing really well, but this is just but a reminder where we actually if are. If you give me yeah. one or two more yeah, players, just, imagine where I could get to. It's 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 probably a win-win situation for him. Yeah. Wins, he looks great. Loses, everyone goes, well, I'm in Leicester City. You know, obviously, we're not at that level. Give me more support. Yeah, I just think there's the potential for a bit of a learning curve for him as well. Uh, he kind of hinted it in his post-match interviews, as Pete said, that he... Got his tactics a little bit awry, um, and I think he on the back of the City game. I, I, I don't know, I can't speak for you guys, but did you watch the Liverpool game and think, "Well, hold on a minute." Leicester gave Man City a good going for at least the first half an hour at the Etihad. To then last night at the King Power against Liverpool, it was a completely different Leicester side. And I think he he looked at the second half of the Manchester City game and thought, "Well, I don't want to get battered here. I'll be a bit conservative." When really, That's what we all go, know yeah. about no. Leicester is they can't. They don't have the players or the mentality or the structure to sit in. And he was playing James Madison kind of wide left yeah. when we know what Leicester need is they need Barnes and Perez or Barnes and, and Albright and looking to pin fullbacks back and give Vardy the space. He tried to kind of overmanage, out tactic Klopp because I think, I think to be honest, there's still a little bit with Rodgers that exists. He's a really good manager and, and I like him, but I still think there's a little bit of an inferiority complex with him. Mm. I know that sounds mad because he's prime meme material and everyone takes the mickey out of him, but I still think there's a lot of uh, insecurities in terms of when he's in really big situations. And we saw that yeah. it's at Liverpool where he goes, uh, oh, 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 I don't want to back myself completely here. I'll just yeah. play it safe. Yeah. And that, that's generally he's backfired so des- for He's him. so desperate to prove himself, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and he do, and he does he does get a lot of very unfair press because mm. I mean he gets a lot of unfair press. In, He's a good in, manager, likable. That, he went, that he went to Celtic. Oh yeah, you go to Celtic it's easy, but you don't win everything as convincingly as as as, he, as Brendan Rodgers' Celtic team do if you don't have a fantastic manager. Yeah. And as well, let's let's be fair on a couple of things here. First of all, Leicester have had a brilliant twelve months, yep. and also they've got more points now than the season that they did when yeah. they won the Premier League. Well, team, it's and, yeah, and and Vardy is outperforming, I think. Uh, himself in that season yeah, yeah. as well. 17 league goals so far. Yeah, Amazing. Um, we're going to get through the last couple of games pretty quickly now. Burnley United, uh, mm. but Burnley struggling a little bit at the minute to get a win. United, obviously, great performance against Newcastle, which is exactly what they needed after <laughs> that uh, defeat away to Watford. Yeah. Paul Pogba almost back to full fitness as well. 
Yeah, well, look, if if you if you if you're going to ask how do we see this going, absolutely no idea. You could never know yeah. you, with United this season. You absolutely no idea. You think how many corners have United turned this season and absolutely phenomenal at the Etihad, especially the first half, and and the, a few weeks later put in the, the one of the worst performances we've, we've seen in a long time against a very poor Watford team. Um, the teams that United have lost to this season. Um, it is it's, it's absolutely scandalous, really, um, c- to get the results United have against against Leicester, against against City, drawing against, the only team to take points off Liverpool, beating Spurs, and then to go and lose to the Bournemouths and the, and the Watfords. This is a game that United could easily slip up in because without when United have the ball, they don't know what to do with it. They're great on the counter attack against teams that want the ball, i.e. They were against City. I'll, I'll, you know, if you want me to, I'll keep bringing it up. Um, <laughs> can I, can but, I just yeah. check? You are a Man United fan. That's correct. Yeah. And you just said when United have the ball, they don't know what to they do. They've no idea. It. Absolutely no idea what to do with it. Because United, if Paul Pogba's not playing, especially, they haven't got the midfield players to pick passes. And Andres Pereira, I mean, what can you say? What can you say? About <laughs> just, like, what 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 does he what does he I, offer? I, what, I I've, what I've seen him offer a lot is fouls. This he seems <laughs> to be like the man they send on. Go and go and get yourself booked fouling yeah. him. It looked like the first time the United against Newcastle actually converted possession into chances. Though it's one of the first times where they actually did control the game in a yeah, long yeah. time and actually against a team that you just obviously we know they've done well against the big teams and stuff. But like, this was. Um, this game was very encouraging for United. This is coming from yeah. a City fan because yeah, they, they dominate the game and they won comfortably. Yeah. As opposed to you know like uh, normally against a team like that, they kind of struggle a little bit and they don't. It was encouraging, but as you said, like this this is the exact kind of game that this exact team do struggle. You know, way yeah. at Burnley, a Burnley team that's in different form. It's yeah. kind of one where you think United just can't string three wins together, and this could be the exact kind of game at the moment where Sean Dyche could just easily do a job on them. But you just don't know. Do there you? was always that old adage that going to Burnley was tough, but it's not anymore. Like no, the, no. the record in the last few years at home against big teams is not good, which means that which means they'll get an easy two 0 victory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wolves travel to Liverpool. Are they going to get smashed? Oh, we don't know. I don't think they'll get smashed. For, no. Forty, what is it? Forty-five hours after playing City, um, less than that. I think. It's it's like, like, oh yeah, forty-five. You're right. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. it's less than two days. Which is illegal for what it's worth in according oh, to the rules of the game. But really, that, yeah, no, it's 40, it has to be forty hours. It has to be forty games. hours. Yeah. So but they've just done it because of money. And as a City fan, I'm fuming about that. It's shocking. Wow, just done that. But and even like City can play, and they're like, yeah, well, shrug, what are you gonna do about it? They'll they'll, they'll make eight changes. They'll make eight changes and, and Liverpool will stroll to... Yeah. Stroll to we don't know how Wolves played as as we're recording this, they're playing the City, aren't we? But Liverpool, surely going to win that, surely. Um, and, and incredibly, like, we've gone through this preview show and it just shows you that the games we've last left to last involve uh, Liverpool and then City <laughs> at home to Sheffield United, yeah. which I we think is a tough... all the teams. Yeah, <laughs> no, but um, I, I think this is a really tough fixture for City. It's a fascinating fixture um, because uh, Chris Wilder, you know, the way he plays and... We just once again, as we're going, as we don't know which city is going to turn up against Wolves, but I mean, you, you obviously you expect Manchester City to win this at home because as good as Sheffield United are, it, we're talking like a Leicester scenario where City, were, I, I thought, were comfortably better than Leicester. I thought it was one of City's best performances of the season. Apart apart from Vardy getting behind a couple of times, I think largely City can totally control that game, and this could be a very similar thing for Sheffield United where they play. Uh, you know, one of the actual big boys, and they they look a little bit like okay, well, we know our level here. Or it could be that uh, the way that Sheffield United play. Um, they play that very interesting way, don't they, with the overlapping centre backs and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that could either work really, really well or spectacularly fail against City because there's yeah. no manager more uh, tactically aware than Guardiola who's willing to uh, exploit these kind of spaces. So 
it could it could exploit exploit Man City's weaknesses down the final down the channels at the moment, or it could be. Um, it could be. Re- this could be a really good game. A really good game yeah, of football. Could, Genuinely yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Like Depending goals. the way other results go as well, a Sheffield United win could see them in fourth place <laughs> for the end of the year. As a football wow. fan, I mean, as a City fan, it'd be terrible. But as a football <laughs> fan, it'd be great. Yeah, like, yeah absolutely. So uh, that's all the games. So before we go, it is Christmas. Uh, <laughs> did did talk about this before. If you had the opportunity to present a uh, to give a Christmas present, belated as it was, to a Premier League footballer or a club, what would it be? Perhaps you know a bit of kitchenware, a striker, oh, a, <laughs> um, go, for a, go for a time machine. Yeah, okay, all yeah, right. So a you young go, Vincent go company. And wh- where are you going to deliver this to? Uh, to Pep Guardiola, I'm going to get a, a young Vincent company back, or or a new knee somehow for Laporte. I don't know how that works. You, you know, time you, machine, you, but you think it'd be more expensive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 yeah, You can actually do something like this on like Pro Evo and uh, uh, FIFA. It would be great if you could do that in real life. All right, Fergal, what, what have you uh, got? I am going to get Manuel Pellegrini a cat. Because he looks haunted, he looks troubled, he looks he looks like he's had the life taken out of him, he looks joyless, and cats bring joy to everyone's life. Maybe a dog if he's more of a dog person, but that man needs a pet. What? pet. And Mourinho's lost a dog, maybe get him a dog with as well, well cheer him up. With how well... And with how badly it's going for Pellegrini, that would be that would be like the suited dogs again. If you got him a cat, you go, "Oh, I'm a dog person." Yeah, I've got allergies. Yeah, <laughs> or my dog died. Uh, he killed Mourinho's dog. And- on the on on the theme of aging processes, I've discussed it before, <laughs> um, and the fact that his his dog has passed. Um, I think some good skin cream for Jose Mourinho because he looks fantastic again, doesn't he? When uh, Jose Mourinho <laughs> at the start of a start of a, of a of a job, Jose Mourinho looks absolutely wonderful, and at the at the end, he looks haggard to say the least. So, get him some good skin cream so he can keep his uh, complexion. Right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, Steve McInerney, Pete <laughs> Hall, Fergal Brennan. Thank you very thank much. You. I'm thank Matt you. McGinley. That was the Football Social pr- Daily Premier League Preview Show. And as ever, we have a daily Premier League podcast where you can catch up on all the latest going on on all 20 Premier League teams. You can always catch up on the latest news on your own team. Simply ask your Alexa device to enable Sports Social. Football Social Daily Premier League Preview. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.